This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio, more specifically the Jake and Josh show. If you're listening to this, we are now officially two days away from the 2020 NFL draft. Lots to talk about, lots of smoke and mirrors to weed through. But before we get into all that, Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. We're in a kind of a weird spot where I like to go outside in shorts and it's it's kind of manageable. But once you hit like seven o'clock and that sun starts to go down, it gets really cold out there and then it's not too enjoyable. But spring is almost here, which can only mean summer is almost here, which can only mean teams are about to be reporting, hopefully. And uh, football supposedly is right around the corner, especially with the draft three days away when we're recording this on Monday night. Yeah, and the biggest thing is, you know, this is, again, we've been talking about it for every podcast that we've done since you came on here, and it's this is the most important offseason, the most important draft in Miami Dolphins history. We know they have three first-round picks. They have six picks in the top 70. We're going to use the Pro Football Network Mock Draft Simulator, and we're going to go through those first three rounds. We might discuss some of our late-round guys, or, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh-round guys that we might be targeting, but we will focus on the first three rounds using the mock draft simulator. But before we get into that, let's talk about some of the big news right now, some of those rumors and the reports. And let's be honest, this time of the year, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. No one truly knows how the Miami Dolphins view some of these players, what they're truly trying to do heading into uh, Thursday's draft. But we're hearing lots of smoke and mirrors about, you know, Tua Tungvaloa, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert. Maybe they take an offensive tackle. What are some of your thoughts on that? And then we'll dive into some of the more specific reports that we've been hearing. 
So I posted a story today up on the Finsider. It was Peter King's mock draft about how he kind of could see everything going on. And, you know, I found myself reading some of the comments to this. And, you know, everyone was kind of thinking, this is so crazy. Who would ever, you know, draft like this, yada, yada, yada. But when you're finally at the week of the draft, there are two things reporters are doing, right? They are not only getting information from teams where they kind of get an idea of who they think might uh, be picked and, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network's uh, uh, scout guru, I guess is a good way to put it. I think uh, that's probably not his official term, but he he mentions how, uh, you know, different GMs will tell him things, but sometimes they're trying to get smoke screened. But at the same time, these reporters, these people who work for different websites, not only are they trying to put out the most correct mock draft, they're trying to do something different. They're trying to churn up different scenarios because I think we can all look at different uh, drafts, excuse me. Josh, you posted the other day on Twitter uh, just the Dolphin fan reaction when Brady Quinn wasn't selected and it was Ted Ginn Jr. and his entire family. And, and just kind of the outrage, the surprise, the shock, the awe. And when you see something like a Peter King mock draft that has the Dolphins moving up to three for Justin Herbert and then the New England Patriots moving up to 13 to take Tua Tungavaloa, you have to wonder two things. One is... Peter King really hearing anything, and two, is he just trying to drive not necessarily controversy, but these conversations that, hey, you know, anything can happen in this draft. And it really got me thinking because I read that uh, blog, and, you know, we've mentioned it before, one of the only things we can do while trying to practice social distancing and is go for walks. And it really started to hit me, just the level of this draft. And the second, the second you know, the draft starts, Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock, the anxiety is going to go in almost instantly because whether the Dolphins make a trade up to three, the second that happens, our world is going to completely change. I know that sounds dram- dramatic, but in terms of our football fandom, if we hear the Dolphins move up to three, our world is going to change. And then after that, the anxiety kicks in. Who are they going to pick? Who are the next two picks? Are they going to move up again? This is, can change so much. And then you wonder, too, oh, my God, they're up at five. Two is still there. Oh, my God, they picked an offensive tackle. Or at five, having to kind of deal with, I don't want to say a letdown, but it kind of is, I'm warming up to the idea of Tua at five or, you know, maybe an offensive tackle and a Jordan Love at 18. If either of those are the things I want and all of a sudden the Dolphins draft Justin Herbert at five, I'm sitting there for the next 10 to 12 picks just distraught of what is happening. You know, you're trying to figure everything out and it's going to be a wild ride and it could wind up being like that Ravens game in week one where it could most certainly be a disaster from the start. This is the Miami Dolphins we're talking about. It could be like the Eagles game where it's back and forth, back and forth, and you look at that final score and you're like, wow, we actually did okay. We have these guys, you know, you look at what Devontae Parker did in that, did in that game. Everything is kind of shaping up a way to be excited about. Or it could be like that Patriot game or like that Bagel game where you're in control the entire time and you're just letting the game kind of flow. Yes, the Bagel game kind of got disastrous at the end. And yes, the Patriots game was a back and forth. But when you're within seven against New England in Foxborough, you're in control. I don't want to really argue that too, too much. But just the, the fear of waiting for these different picks is really starting to to kick in that this is a really big deal man this is a huge huge draft and starting at pick three the the direction of this team is going to change forever even if they're not in the clock yeah you're 100 percent right and i think the best way that i've heard it 
put is Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network came out and said, you know, every day between now and the draft is like waking up on Christmas Day or, or it's like Christmas Eve, you know, when you were a little kid. Sure, you had an idea of what toys you might be getting, but you didn't know you were getting those toys until you woke up that day and you saw those toys under the tree. The draft's exactly like that, and I think I'm sitting here getting anxiety just listening to you talk about it because that is how stressful it is. And if you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins, there's not a lot going on right now outside of, you know, you're supposed to stay in the house, practice social distancing. You're just on Twitter and you're on social media and you're reading about some of these prospects, and you have your favorites. Obviously, everyone has their favorites, and I continue to reiterate, you know, we, I can sit here and say I want Tua Tonvaloa. I don't know better than Chris Greer. I don't know better than those guys in that war room. You know, so whoever they take, you got to kind of trust the process because we sit here right. and we say that we believe Brian Flores is the guy. Whether we prematurely crowned Adam Gase or not, we believe Brian Flores is a guy, and he has a staff in place. And whoever they draft, you got to give them some time to develop. But you're absolutely right. This this uh, Peter King. I think he went out there, and I think he was not only trying to drive up clicks, but I think part of that – and I saw someone tweet at him and asks – I don't know the exact quote, but he's like, I hope this isn't what you're hearing. I really don't want him to draft Herbert. So he's like, don't worry. It's it's not. And I think he was just kind of throwing crap against the wall, for lack of a better word. We had Matthew Canada on the show last week. He gave us some inside sources. He's going to be back on the show Wednesday leading up to the draft, so we're going to have that drop in Wednesday night into Thursday morning. He'll tell us what he's knowing, but – Pro Football Network today dropped a, a bombshell, for lack of a better word, and it came from Tony Paulini, and this is the quote. A source close to Stephen Ross tells me that the Dolphins owner is talking as though quarterback Justin Herbert is not in the team's plans with the fifth overall pick. The source tells me that he feels it's either Tua Tungvalu with pick number five or a position player at the spot with a later maneuver for Utah State's Jordan Love, which they wrote about on Friday. They also report that it could be Andrew Thomas of Georgia, the offensive tackle slash could probably move him inside a guard. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Do you go with Tua Tungvaloa? Do you take on that injury risk? It, it's tough. Or do you take a offensive tackle or a Derek, a Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons and then trade up for Jordan Love? To me, I feel like you have to get whichever quarterback you truly believe is that difference maker. And if you have doubts about Tua, unfortunately, you might have to pass on him. Personally, I would not, but... There's lots to digest here, and again, no one truly knows. Before we went on the air, Ben Albright, everyone knows him as one of those you know, upper echelon insiders. He came out and he said what he's hearing. Fifth overall, he had the Dolphins taking Tua. I think it's a coin flip, and I don't even know if the Dolphins truly know right now whether they're going to take that risk with Tua or you take that offensive tackle and trade up for a Jordan Love. I don't think anybody knows, but we know we're going to find out more tomorrow. We're going to find out more the next day, and eventually we're going to find out on Thursday what's truly going to happen, but no one truly knows. Take everything with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I mean, that's easier said than done. I sit here and tell everyone, don't buy into all the hype, but every single post, tweet, article from one of these insiders with a check mark or someone that's been right in the past, you just get, you just feel one way or the other. And it's an emotional roller coaster, and I just can't wait for it to be over. But at the end of the day, trust the process. They got three first round picks, they got 14 picks total. They're not going to use all those, but if they come out of the, here addressing some of their big needs that we know is safety, offensive tackle, quarterback, running back. The list can go on even from there. If they address those needs with some high-caliber college prospects that we believe they will, there, there's no reason why they shouldn't walk out of this draft with one of the best hauls you know, in the entire NFL, and if not in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, no doubt. And to kind of talk about the, the Peter King draft, because again, I'm not really focused on like the specifics of what the Miami Dolphins did. Uh, I think it's more of him trying to think outside the box because 
for the last two years we've been talking about this draft and things have changed so much where I don't think we can really do anything except expect the unexpected. And when you look at what the Dolphins did to move up to number three, it was trade 39 overall, their first, uh, their second round pick, excuse me. And, you know, moving up two spots doesn't seem like a crazy, you know, you would need a crazy amount of uh, capital, but that didn't seem like a horrible trade. In all honesty, I didn't like it for Herbert. But if, you know, if they traded that up and got Tua at three and were happy about it, sure, that's fine by me. Um, the one thing that does scare me is if the Dolphins go with, you know, an Isaiah Simmons at five, they go with one of the offensive tackles at five. All of a sudden, I am looking at every single pick. Where does Tua fall to, right? Where does Herbert fall to? Where is Jordan Love going to go? Because I get a little concerned that the thing that, you know, Peter King mentioned is the uh, Patriots moving up to 13 for Tua. Again, this was another thing where he said, hey, I have nothing supporting this. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm wheeling and dealing as I go. And we need to really keep that in mind that this is a mock draft. I mean, I don't want to listen to drafts that say the same things over and over and over. These give us different perspectives and different ideas. If Tua goes around, you know, is still there around 10, I'm starting to smash that panic button thinking about what the Patriots might do because uh, Peter King said in his, uh, you know, column, the the mock draft, talking about how Justin Herbert, quote-unquote, the safe Dante Culpepper pick. And then you think about Tua going to New England, being the Drew Brees, you know, the Drew Brees comparison from 2006 to Tua now. I mean, we've been making that comparison for all long. And to say Herbert is that safe, quote-unquote, pick, and hopefully they make it out better, is terrifying to me. It is absolutely horrifying that the Dolphins to be put in that situation, because if we've learned anything in the last 20 years, is that the Dolphins are going to end up on the wrong side of it. Yeah, and it always seems to play out that way. You know, is this is a layup. The Dolphins should be able to, hopefully, if two is there at five, they should be able to run to the podium and get that quarterback that many believe they wanted for two years. If they need to trade up to three, the Dolphins have Brian Flores and Matt Patricia. They've worked together. They have a a rapport there. You know, they can make this trade happen. They have infinite draft picks that they can move up, and I don't think it's going to cost a lot. One interesting trade, you mentioned some of these analysts taking a outside-the-box approach, sort of speak. Peter Schrager, Good Morning Football, probably one of the best football shows on television. One of the – I mean, this guy is – he's awesome, to, to, for lack of a better word. He has Miami given up at the 18th. He threw this out there on Twitter and said, Lions fans, would you accept this offer? And when I first read it, I thought he was crazy. But when you dive a little deeper, he has Detroit giving up the third overall pick to the Miami Dolphins for the 18th overall pick, the 26th overall pick, and the 39th overall pick. That would mean the Dolphins would have the third overall pick and the fifth overall pick. So – is that crazy? I mean, is that is that something that you would do? You could then get your top tackle, you could get your top quarterback, and you'd I mean you'd be done until what pick fifty six, I believe it is in the second round, but you just got two of the best players in the draft. And yes, you had to give up those picks that you traded for Tunsil and for Minka, but you just got the an elite offensive tackle and hopefully an elite quarterback in the first round of the draft. I mean, how could you be upset with that? Yeah, and you know, when I read the comments to this, it made it kind of seem like people were reading it too fast. I think everybody assumed the fifth pick was included in there too. I, I definitely did, yeah. I thought it was for sure. And I, and, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't and, know, it's still crazy to think about, but it's, I mean, if they were to offer that, I mean, we kept talking about Xavier Howard may be traded. I think Xavier Howard in a trade like this would make a lot more sense because we know Detroit needs a cornerback. But again, this was just him throwing this hypothetical out there. I don't think there's any way this goes down but if it were to me personally I think Xavier Howard would have to be involved because then they get that shut down cornerback and then maybe they get two first round picks or a first and a second whatever it is 
and that would be a lot more palatable, at least to the Lions. But it's a crazy trade, and I do think people were reading it wrong. But, I mean, how would you feel if you saw that notification draft day, the awesome jingle, din, 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 din. how would you feel if that came up and said the Dolphins just acquired a third overall pick and they didn't even have to give up number five? I think I would be have to be a results player about it because I think I would be jacked when you have the idea of the Dolphins just solidified their offensive line. They have their quarterback, and I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. We're already talking about at picks 5 and 18 or even moving up from 18 to, you know, a little higher up with 26 or with uh, 39 or whatever it was. I believe it was 39 to get that um, – you know, th- those two guys, and to do that, to accomplish that, have two studs, it would be fantastic. But I keep thinking back to the value, you know. All of a sudden, we thought we'd have to tank for Tua, you know, go 0-16 for able to able to get him. If you can get him at 5, and then all of a sudden, maybe one of those four offensive tackles slides down to an 18. And then you still have those picks. I mean, as someone who likes to write and enjoy and talk about this team, I mean, the excitement about having all these guys in the top 70 coming into training camp, next year would be so much fun to talk about if the Dolphins are able to bring in, you know, running back, an offensive tackle, a quarterback, you know, another linebacker, a pass rusher, all just in the top 70 before talking about the fourth and sixth round picks where it's, you know, that diamond in the rough of, hey, these guys were awesome. This is what the team liked. This is what Greer saw because those hype up, you know, columns are coming too. But I just think that that value would be so, so much fun. But again, that could be getting very, very greedy when the the goal of this is is to have something the Dolphins haven't had in an incredibly long time, a strong foundation at the offensive line and someone worth protecting behind them. And And I'm not saying, you know, that any quarterback isn't worth protecting because with enough time, I think anybody will be good. But just that thrill, that excitement of this is our team now. This is a stable position for at least the next five years, seven if you want to include franchise tags before we even start talking about contracts. I'll be 32 by that time, Houts. That is mind-boggling to think the Dolphins could have established foundation and been able to do that. It involves, you know, kind of swallowing the ball, thinking we could have gotten greedy, we could have done it, but we're going for the surefire thing. And, you know, in Miami, there hasn't been a lot of surefire things, so that'd be a little exciting in itself. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, well, now you make me feel really old because I'm 33 already, so that, that hurts. But there's a saying, you know, scared money don't make money, and I think mm-hmm. that's what it all comes down to. We know how Chris Greer's been in the past. He, he plays a little bit conservative, but if there's ever a time to take a risk on a Tua Tonga Vailoa, now would be the time. And there's a little bit of a debate. Do you take the offensive tackle or defensive player at five, and then you trade up or wait for your quarterback to fall into your lap at 18? Or do you take the quarterback and then either wait for the offensive tackle to fall to you or trade up for him? So I think that's the perfect way to jump into this mock draft simulator. Again, we are using Pro Football Network's mock draft simulator. This is using Tony Pauline's big board. And with the first overall pick, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals took Joe Burrow. The Washington Redskins took Chase Young. The Detroit Lions took cornerback Jeffrey Okada. And then Derek Brown from Auburn went to the New York Giants. So that leaves the Dolphins on the clock at five. Things fell exactly how... 
many Dolphin fans would hope, but this brings us back to that scenario. So I know who I'm going to take here. So let's let's discuss this. Maybe try to persuade me to go a different route, but let's just say the Dolphins are on the clock right now. The only quarterback taken is Joe Burrow. Derek Brown just went. Now the Dolphins are sitting here. The best players available are Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, Tua Tungvaloa, Justin Herbert, Andrew Thomas, as we mentioned earlier, Tristan Wirfs. Those are two offensive tackles. And then from there, it drops down a little bit. So let's just assume those top five players right there are kind of who the Dolphins might be targeting. Obviously, Tua Tungvaloa is the, the pick for me, probably the pick for you, but let's discuss this. Where What offensive tackle might you go after, and then how would you address the rest of this draft moving forward? So I think we should take the the value route here just to get a sense of who is available when. Um, I think if we aren't trading for the Dolphins or if we are making trades, I don't think any is this set up. This mock draft set up where other teams are going to make trades without us knowing, or I, I think they will make trades. Yes. Okay. And so I, I, we we could, we could technically make trades, but if I mean I've seen it in the past, if, say we pass on two a tongue of Iloa here, and we have a, I mean they they could get jumped in at eight, and someone could take him. So. I mean, it's up to you if you want to, how, how you want to do this to just to see the way the board shuffles. But again, these mock draft simulators, they're very well constructed, but it takes one pick to just throw this thing into a tizzy. So personally, I think Tua Tungvaloa is the pick here. But if the Dolphins like Jordan Love more than, than Tua and they take that, they'd rather sit there and develop their own guy and bring in this quarterback that has the highest ceiling, tons of potential, has shown flashes of greatness, and not take the risk on Tua Tungvaloa. I mean, I would not be surprised, and maybe that's just the the Dolphin fan in me. I would not be surprised if they went that route. We talked about it earlier just a few seconds ago. Chris Greer plays a little bit conservative. The Dolphins could easily go offensive tackle here and wait and see if Herbert or Love falls and then trade up for him. How how do you see this playing out in real life? And obviously, again, how would you draft here? You're on the clock. Let's let's not let, let, let's try to be as greedy as possible here. We're not going to make any trades. We're going to see what type of value we can get at, you know, 5, 18, 26. I think Tua is most certainly the pick here because we've been talking about drafting Tua in the first round before Christian Wilkins was drafted. And, you know, we can't just ignore two whole years of just these connections that have been put together. Fans, you know, looking at shoe colors, you know, uh, for, for, you know, the, the just the sake of the argument. I think Tua has to be the guy here. I don't want to put the future of my team in another team's hands. We don't know who can jump in front of the Dolphins. Um, you know, a team might offer so much for Jordan Love for some strange reason. We don't know. the And the other team doesn't even think twice about asking the Dolphins despite their war chest. And they just kind of give up that spot for Jordan Love. So I want to take Tua here. I don't think there is any better choice. I don't, I know there, we can, go into a bunch of surprises and make it wonky. But but if we're doing what we want the Dolphins to do here, I, I think let's start with Tua. Number five, I think we got to lock that in. Yeah, I 100% agree. And again, the Dolphins could feel completely different. They might think Jordan Love is just as bit as just every bit as good as Tua or even better and doesn't have those injury concerns. They could go offensive tackle here. But again, Tua Tungvalu is that pick there. I'm not really going to read off. I mean, Justin Herbert went right after to the Chargers, as we'd expect. We got a run on offensive tackles, it seems. So right now we're sitting here at 18, and Jordan Love's there, believe it or not. Jedrick Wills, he's the 13th overall player on his big board, the offensive tackle, right tackle, that protected Tua Tungvaloa at Alabama. So to me, that seems like fate. And I think, if, if I'm being completely honest, and we can sit here and look down the list, YGM, Uter Gross Matos, one of my favorite players in this draft, defensive end from Penn State, 
Kenneth Murray outside linebacker. Not sure the Dolphins quite need that. Wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Again, we talk about wide receiver on a few of these shows. You definitely make the case for that. Got to go down. We've got Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle for USC. Ezra Cleveland, a guy that Pro Football Network has linked to the Miami Dolphins. Clavon Chazen, the outside linebacker, edge rusher for LSU. So there's lots of options here. To me, it just seems like fate that for some reason Tua's blindside protector would fall to 13. And I was going to say, or fall to 18, 13th overall player on their draft. Where I was going to say that would be the absolute perfect beginning to this draft to me. You draft Tua at five, and then you find a way to get Jedrick Wills, who I believe is the best offensive tackle in this draft. He, he's used to protecting Tua. He, would, he could play both sides of the offensive line if he needed to, but... That would be the perfect start to this draft. What do you say? What, what would you do here? And again, Jordan Love's available. So if we did go offensive tackle at five, Jordan Love would be there. But how do you see this playing out? And if you want me to scroll down and look at some of these other players, I gladly will. But Jedrick Wills, to me, that would be the safe pick and the smart pick here. And again, if I had to trade up for him, I absolutely would. And we saw today the San Francisco 49ers are trying to move out of some of their first round picks. Because they do not have a lot of day two I don't think they have any day two picks. They might not even have a fourth round pick. I'd have to look that up. But they do not have a second or third round pick to my knowledge. So they're trying to actively move out of that 13th overall pick. According to reports, we know the Raiders have two first round picks. So they could be looking to move out. And the Jacksonville Jaguars also have two first round picks. So it's, it's hard to say which of these teams could trade out. But we heard reports, I believe it was a month ago, coming out of Matt Miller, Bleacher Report. He said, don't be surprised if the Dolphins take Tua. If they are not trading up for an offensive tackle, we know there's four offensive tackles in this class that people think the moon of, and it's Becton, Thomas, Wirfs, and again, Wills. Yes, you can throw Austin Jackson in there. Cleveland can be thrown in there. A couple of these other guys can be thrown in there. But those are the four elite offensive tackles, and we are sitting here staring with the blind side protector of Tuatunga Valoa. So what, what do you say, Jake? Who, who would you take here, and what are some of the other options you might look at? God, I mean, it's really hard to ignore what is being offered with someone like Wills coming onto that offensive line. And it's important to keep in mind, too, where teams are probably going to scheme against a left-handed quarterback. And again, we I, I don't have all the information in front of me. But, you know, I'm going to use someone like Von Miller uh, for the sake of this argument. You think about... Uh, against the righty, he'd rush against the left tackle. I'm sure there's going to be a year uh, where where if Tua's the quarterback, you know, they put that premier uh, edge rusher on the opposite side to go after the right tackle to approach that blind side. And, you know, uh, there was a point brought up today on Twitter that whoever the Dolphins draft in the first round isn't necessarily going to see a boatload of playing time this year, right, uh, in terms of quarterback. I think Fitzpatrick's still here to be the guy. I think they're not going to, you know, throw uh, the rookie out there just to play. We saw the Dolphins refuse to do that with Rosen, and because of that, the book's still out, but that's just not how they operate. So if you put Wills at right tackle for a year and have him have a year of developing maybe against not elite talent over and over where he can kind of grow, get that technique going with a Fitzpatrick, with that premier edge rusher, which I could be completely wrong. Different defenses do different things, but I'm just saying as like a, a basic, basic, you know, football scheme type thing, I think it'd be interesting to have him play at right tackle for a year where he isn't the blindside guy, where he can develop that confidence, develop that technique, get used to that speed of the level. It makes so much sense. You mentioned YGM. I think the Dolphins do need help on that defensive end, but 
I think this is just a very weak draft at the defensive end. And when you see what the Dolphins have next year with two more first-round picks, I don't think that's really something the Dolphins need to go in and dive into right now. I think it's something they can get away with. Um, Austin Jackson was actually the guy I was originally looking at that would be there at 18, that would be the guy that the Dolphins would take to go with Tua. Um, so, so that is interesting. He's still there. I think, you know, if we take this offensive tackle at 18, we're happy and I think it's like a whole new world at 26 with the opportunities that could be there. Yeah, you're 100% right. So we threw the pick in there. We took Jed- Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama. I do have to intervene quick with a little bit of some breaking news, depending on how you see it. 17 minutes ago, Matthew Kanata posted his updated percentages for the next Dolphins quarterback based on what I'm hearing. Again, not including Joe Burrow because that looks to be a pipe dream. He had 50% Jordan Love, 48% Tua Tungavailoa, 2% Justin Herbert. Craig Mish, who many people know as he's a Marlins insider, but he has sources all throughout. He was one of the first guys to back Pro Football Network when they released that Laramie Tunsil report that turned out to be true. He said to bump Tua up to 65%. So he has Tua at 65%, and I guess you can do the math, whatever that would make, uh, what, 35%? 45, 35% for Jordan Love and then nothing for Justin Herbert, apparently. So to me, that's that's pretty big. And we saw Ben Albright now say that Tua Tungvaloa was the Dolphins' target in a roundabout way. Now Craig Mish is kind of supporting that he's the favorite. Something to keep in mind. But again, during our mock draft, we just took Tua Tungvaloa at five, and then we backed it up with his offensive tackle, his right tackle, the blindside blocker. Everyone saw that movie. Jedrick Wills, and we are now sitting here at 26th overall with a plethora of opportunities. Austin Jackson, a guy that you said that you would have targeted 18, I completely agree with that. He's a bit raw, but, I mean, the potential that he has to be a very good offensive tackle in the NFL is through the roof. But now we're sitting here, and it comes down to how you feel is the biggest need. And I know you like running backs. I know you've hinted at it a few times. I don't know if that was just your way of trying to drive up talking point it does not look like a running back oh deandre swift went 16th overall to the atlanta falcons so he is a running back one for a lot of teams so we are sitting here you can see the big board what are you doing in this situation jake now there are three positions that stick out to me and yes running back is one of them but you know you you see jonathan taylor sitting there as um the the 35th best player on the big board um there are a couple of guys right beneath him who I think could be outstanding running backs in the NFL too, where if they're taken in the second or maybe even the third round, I'm excited for. So if we want to say that that running back depth is good enough where we can get a good one, I think we look at our two positions that are standing out here, and that's safety and do we want to go full-blown offensive line and take a center here? I think whether you look at, uh, I'm sorry if I butcher this, Cesar Ruiz and, or um, you know Antoine Winfield Jr., is still available, or Xavier McKinney. I see him with the Dolphins on a lot of drafts, but, I mean, could you really stomach taking three Alabama players in the first round? That would be hard, especially when you consider what the last one did to us. I still feel a little bit slighted by Minka Fitzpatrick, which, I mean, at the time, we thought he was going to be the superstar on this defense and just a Swiss Army knife that could play everywhere. Everyone knows the story. He had to be shipped away, so it would be hard to stomach, and, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it, and I mean, maybe this is some of the something that we aren't truly able to witness on the inside. I mean, I, we you could do a mock draft by yourself. Everyone does them. I mean, there's different mock draft simulators out there from Pro Football Focus to the Draft Network to Fan Speak. You you have infinite 
resources to make your own mock draft. But how many times do you sit there and do it with someone else where you're sitting here, and now we got to sit here and talk ourselves through this because you got arguably the best center on the board, and we know that Ted Karras came in here, but is Ted Karras the long-term answer? It's hard to say. And then you got three very good safeties and a bunch of running backs in a deep running back class. So as much as I want to say let's sit here and pull the trigger on a safety, part of me wants to draft the center and hope that the safety falls to 39. I mean that's the gamble. That's part of what football and the NFL drafts all about. So we have to come to a conclusion as a group. I have no problems taking McKinney or even Antoine Winfield Jr., who we know uh, Brian Flores loved his father. That's a kind of guy that can just do everything. He's a bit undersized. He's a bit banged up, but he's a playmaker. So I'm, I'm leaning I'm, – I'm, as crazy as it sounds, I'm leaning towards Cesar Ruiz right here because I think the Dolphins eventually will need a center. I mean, whether or not he can play guard, I'm, I can't truly speak on that. But Ted Karras can. We've seen him play guard before. And, again, I don't know that he's the long-term answer there. So – I'm willing to deter to you on this one. If you want to take a safety, I'm all in. If you even want to take Jonathan Taylor for the sake of argument, I'm all in. Or, or J.K. Dobbins. But you let me know what you want to do here. I'm going to let you take this pick. But that's the way I would see it play out. And I think the Dolphins, the same situation, would be discussing this thing you know, thoroughly. And you could even make a case for Austin Jackson because we both said how we would have taken him at 18. The Dolphins realistically could use two offensive tackles. So tell me what you want to do here. I will deter to you. And I think if they take Austin Jackson here, Ruiz here, McKinney or Antoine Winfield, I think that'd be a home run, even a running back you can make a case for. So with the 26th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, who are you taking? I, I think I'm going to agree with you that Ruiz is the guy. And you mentioned uh, big Teddy over there and his, and his towel. Um, <laughs> his butt sweat towel. <laughs> Uh, it, I believe for him it was a one-year, $4 million deal. And, and an issue the Dolphins had for forever, it seems, is depth. And, you know, say say Ted comes in and, and the Dolphins draft Ruiz here at 26. Ted comes in and wins that starting job. I mean, that doesn't mean uh, Ruiz is going to have an awful career. Think about it this way. He, Ted, you know, has one strong season. He goes and gets absolutely paid. You get a comp pick, and then you have him, Ruiz, come in after a year, maybe some spot starts, maybe playing a bit of guard, maybe just being comfortable playing at the NFL level. I think this is more than just, you know, looking at what the Dolphins need next year. I, I, I think center is the way to go. I mean, we've been praying the Dolphins had an offensive line for years and that, hey, it was, you know, actually the offensive line that, that we never had for Tannehill. I don't want to make those excuses anymore. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I say we go center and, and just roll out. Okay. Cesar Ruiz, Michigan center. We know Stephen Ross will be happy with that pick. And now you're going to hope and pray that things work out in our favor. We kind of gambled a little bit here, but let's see if it works out. And <laughs> we got a running back on board and we got two of the top safeties in the draft still available. So we are now via the 39th overall pick. It looks like. McKinney went 31, and Antoine Winfield Jr. went 35. So, I mean, we're back We're back to the same situation. Talk me through what you're thinking here. Now, there is, it is impossible to solidify every person in the NFL or every, every roster spot in the NFL. You're not going to have the 53 best guys. You want to build a lot, roster that, hey, some positions are stronger and maybe they can hide weaknesses at others. And when I see someone like Brian Flores, I think his strength is on the defensive end of the ball, we don't have to pay for premier players all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it isn't worth spending, you know, the first-round picks on the Christian Wilkins or going uh, and getting a bunch of players on uh, – 
the defensive side of the ball in free agency. But I don't think we should have to put as much of the resources in on the defensive side of the ball because if Brian Flores is that defensive genius we think he is, it's just not something we necessarily have to spend. When I see Jonathan Taylor sitting there at you know thirty five, the thirty fifth overall player available at thirty nine, yes, safety is a position the Dolphins could use help for. But I mean, when you think about you, you bring in these two rookie offensive linemen, you bring in a rookie quarterback and a running back, and you just really revamp this team, and it looks like a brand new offense. I mean, I don't know if it's just me looking at the shiniest new toy at at KB Toys, you know, back. 15, 20 years ago. But, man, I mean, Jonathan Taylor there at 39, everything that's said about him, you think about what the Raiders did last year with a rookie running back. You think about the Giants did before. There are ways you could really establish a rookie running back to really be a huge staple in your offense, and I think Taylor could be that. Or, you know, you could convince me that J.K. Dobbins, someone who has a little less wear and tear on the tires, could be that person. But, you know, I'm really looking at one of these two guys on the offensive side of the ball to really establish the backfield for years upon years to come. Yeah, I mean, those are all good points, and I'm going to pull up the running backs. Currently, they have Jonathan Taylor, the 35th overall player. He's available. We got J.K. Dobbins available. We have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire available. And then it looks like Cam Akers. Those, to me, are the top four available running backs. And then when you flip it over to safety, we got Grant Delpit. We know he was a little bit banged up, but, I mean, this was a superstar. Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois. Kyle Duggar, and then Ashton Davis. And Ashton Davis is a name that I continue to talk about because we know Gerald Alexander, the Dolphins' new defensive backs coach, coached Ashton Davis at California. So I, I'm not sure what I would honestly do here if I was on the clock. I mean, it would almost be a coin flip. I think that you can make a case for both of them for the sake of – I feel like I kind of talked us into those first two. No matter how obvious they were, we're going to go with Jonathan Taylor here. We talked about it on a previous episode – People compared him. I think we could not figure out what site it was, but they said this might be what one of the best running back prospects ever. So, I mean, that's high praise. And we just fixed the offensive line. And what better way to help a young quarterback like Tua Tungvaloa along than Jonathan Taylor, a guy that can be a workhorse. You got Jordan Howard there. I mean, who's going to stop this offense if you add a guy like him? I 100%. It's, it seems like you're doing a, like a college football draft in a sense where, where you, you do the franchise modes. And you draft every team from scratch. I mean, the Dol- if the Dolphins pull off what, the, what we're kind of doing here, I mean, I couldn't help but be so jacked about the different, different directions this offense could go. Just, you know, what helps a, strong, or a, a young offensive line? A strong running game. What helps a young running game? A strong offensive line. What helps a young quarterback? All of them. The, the synergy there, the, the hope. The ability, the roof, the ceiling would be through the roof, Josh, and I think that's just the simplest way I could put it. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to sit here and we're going to hope that one of these safeties fall to us at seven, in 17 picks at 56 overall because I think we can agree that we're pretty much nailing every single need that the Dolphins have. We're going to need a defensive tackle eventually, but with the 39th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, we are going to take Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. So now we wait and see the way the board falls and here we are. So we see that there are some good running backs available. Mm-hmm. But what safety? And there's Ashton Davis. And it looks like he's the 80th overall player. I believe he suffered a injury that kept him out of the Senior Bowl and the Combine. So that could be why he's there. But I'm trying to look through this list. And unless we go with another offensive tackle or even a Raquan Davis or a Russ Blacklock, I mean, I, I don't know. 
I'm a big fan of Ashton Davis, and I kind of hinted at him being a guy that is very familiar with Gerald Alexander. So that is where I would lean here, but we can sit here and talk through some of these guys because there is a bunch of players that we can make a case for at areas that the Dolphins could absolutely build some depth or even get a superstar player. And I think this is the first pick where I see everything unfold and I, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I kind of side on myself because J.K. Dobbins is still available at 56. And I think if I could go back and change time, I would have taken one of the safeties as a previous pick and had Dobbins here. And I think, you know, we'd be dancing in the streets. But when you look at the defensive tackles, I think that might be the way to go um, when we get into the situation. Again, I'd. I don't think I know too, too much about these guys. We're starting to get a little bit of uncharted territory for myself, at least. So, Josh, I think I need to ask you, when you see, you know, these defensive tackles, there's a defensive end out there, or even, you know, there's a couple wide receivers still floating around. How are you feeling? How are you thinking? Because this is the first pick where if we're going to kind of take everything for what it's worth, we made a mistake by taking Jonathan Taylor with J.K. Dobbins reaching down this far. Yeah, I mean, if we went other, any other route, I mean, we see the mock drafts being floated around. We, we wanted to try to keep this a little bit different, so I would have nothing against the Dolphins deciding to take a safety and then wait and get to running back at this spot. We can't for sure. forget that the Dolphins are picking again. And I'm trying to do the math here. 24 14. spot. 14. There, there we go. So I think, I think the safety you were talking about, I think, you know, based on the injuries you mentioned, based on him being a little – I don't want to say underrated, but but undervalued where we're, we would take him right now. I think we would, should risk it for that safety on the next time around. I think that's going to be our hope. I think that's going to be our goal. I think defensive tackle looks interesting here. Outside linebacker. I th- I don't know if we can go another you know spot with ignoring def- the defensive end of the ball. Yeah, I agree. And I think Curtis Weaver, he's an interesting player because he's a bit bigger than you'd expect. Zach Bond kind of fits what the Dolphins could use, he's kind of that, I want to say, Van Ginkle type or even a, a Van Noy or a Vince Beagle. So he kind of fits a similar mold to what the Dolphins have. I got like Raekwon Davis, again, another Alabama player, or Russ Blacklock. Those, to me, seem like the biggest impact players here that we could eventually, that we could take a stab at and then hope that the safety falls. So, I mean, I'm sitting here looking over their career snapshot. They both have a uh, Blacklock has a RAS score, which is a relative athletic score, which is done by Kent Platt, Math Bomb. Follow him on Twitter. Great guy. 7.89. And then we're going to click on Raekwon Davis and see what he has. He has a 6.04. So to me, if you're going by the RAS score, which I think has proven that it has worked in the past, Russ Blacklock would be the guy to go with. But I, I think I there's think a little I... bit more versatility with Raekwon Davis. So, I mean... I think we go Blacklock, but I will. I mean, if there's someone else on here that you prefer, we'll go with that. I like Blacklock too, and again, this is something that I literally means nothing. But you know, Davis from Alabama, um, uh, Bond would be a Wisconsin, another Wisconsin player. I just don't know how many home runs you're going to hit out of the same school. Again, I'm not saying it won't happen, and I'm not saying like it's going to be the reason these guys don't turn out. But for me, you know. If you're playing Keno, you don't pick, you know, five numbers in a row because it just seems strange that I don't think these five in a row are going to hit. Again, there's really no normal justification to it. It's more of a weird personal type thing. But I think that uh, uh, the, the first, uh, David, excuse me, uh, Blacklock seems like a good fit here to go next to Christian Wilkins. Okay, here we go. With the 56th pick, we are taking defensive tackle Ross Blacklock from TCU. 
And now we sit here and see if our boy is here. Ashton Davis is here. So I almost feel like we just got to run to the podium. If you look at some of these other names, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still available. Probably one of the better running back prospects in this draft. It's kind of surprising to see him here in round three. I think he might go sooner. Jalen Hurts is another player who, no matter what you think of him as a quarterback, this still seems like he should be off the board at this point. Lots of other talent. Lucas Nyang, uh, offense tackle from TCU. Neville Gallimore, the defense tackle from Oklahoma. Tyler Bidet's center, one of the top center prospects. You go down this list, there's a bunch of good depth here, but to me, the the position the Dolphins need to address, I think they probably will address it a little sooner than we did, but Ashton Davis, I absolutely believe, is up there with an Ant Antoine Winfield, and I think those are two of the top safeties that the Dolphins are going to target. And to have him available in round three, it has to be because, A, the injury concerns, and B, I think he might be a little older than some of these other prospects, but he is exactly what the Miami Dolphins need in their secondary, so... My choice would be for Ashton Davis. How, how would you let this play out? I, I completely agree with you. I mean, after adding the, the defensive tackle, and, and the thing we've been able to do, and I think what, what fans are hoping if the Dolphins don't do any trading, is you can kind of nail all these needs. You know, you can be happy with the premier type players you're getting. You mentioned Ashton Davis at 70 being up there with the guys you're taking in the late first round, which is exciting in itself where this guy had the first round potential, and that's a story to watch as well. So I, I think I'm with you. You could kind of make an argument, hey, what about a... Uh, is there a chance you could take another running back? Could you have the stock loaded for years? I, I don't think I would. Maybe in the fourth or fifth round, maybe another running back. I think it's too early to do that. I agree. I think it's got to be safety. A couple of the wide receivers look a little interesting. But again, the, the Dolphins' receivers are in a weird spot, but not necessarily a bad spot where we have to trade the value, where we can get someone good. Like, like the safety, where it, you can kind of plug them in and have them be an impact player sooner rather than later. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's probably where we're going to stop. We made six selections. Um, I know that we talked about this on a previous podcast. The Dolphins now will not pick until the 141st overall pick, so quite a gap in there. I think it's about 71 picks, if my math's right, this time around. But there's a huge gap there, and I do think the Dolphins are going to make some trades to get back up there and get some of these mid-round guys that we see that fell. And, you know, you can just go down the list, and there's just tons of talent still available can make a case for almost any of these guys but I think we filled every single need that the Dolphins had at least you know those glaring needs obviously you need depth we need some wide receiver help we might need another defensive tackle you can even make the case for maybe getting another running back maybe you double up on quarterback some help at depth of the offensive line I mean we made six picks we didn't give up anything we know the Dolphins are not going to make 14 draft picks but I would say for the first six picks this was almost a home run draft we could have gone a couple different ways as we kind of played it out in our heads. Maybe we would have taken a safety earlier, but I think we still got one of the safeties, at least one of my favorite safeties in this draft. And I think when you put, when you read the the writing on the wall, you know, he, he worked with Gerald Alexander. It just seems like the perfect fit here. We got defensive tackle help, which they need up there with Christian Wilkins. You completely solidified the offensive line for, from the most part, you got your future quarterback and you got your stud running back. So I don't know how we could have done any better. Give me your thoughts and, Maybe we talk. Maybe we'll wrap it up there, and I will definitely post this mock draft in. I will definitely post our picks in the the article so people can check it out. And again, check out profootballnetwork.com/slash-mock-draft. One of the best mock drafts out there, and you are able to trade free of charge. Check that out. Tony Pauline, shout out to him for his his big board because without him, none of this is possible. But give me your thoughts on this draft and and how you'd feel heading into 
to day three if this is the way things played out. God, it'd be so hard not to be excited about this going into day three. And you mentioned it. Will they use the rest of those picks to try to muscle up for one or two more guys? Um, one thing that I think might happen that didn't hear, and I don't think it's necessarily necessary. I'm someone who is a big fan of it. But but trading down, see if the Dolphins can uh, get some third-round picks going into next year, maybe another second-round pick going into next year. These are things the Dolphins should think about. But if it's moved down and get those picks next year, um, I think I would rather have this group that we've gotten here because the only thing better than picks are actual players, you know, and, and what the, we kind of have here is a group to really be excited about, a really fun group. Again, I think the one thing we could have changed is running back, even since we got our safety at 70. We have to wonder if maybe an outside linebacker could have been the choice there. Maybe a defensive end could have been the choice there. But, you know, using four picks on the offensive side of the ball, the Dolphins' offense has been brutal for some time. So they've had quarterback gurus. They've had the guy that, quote-unquote, made Aaron Rodgers in here. And, you know, and the offense has never been better than, you know, I'd probably say around 18 in the year. Maybe they're up to 15 the one year Mike Wallace really had a solid year. But, I mean, it's been a tough run for the Dolphins on the offensive side of the ball. And for us... I think it's time to get a little greedy. And, and, you know, with the wide receivers we have with Chan Gailey coming in, I think this group would really work well together. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we could win a couple different routes there. But overall, this was a heck of a draft. Just to recap, the number fifth overall pick, we took Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback from Alabama. 18th overall, we took Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama. At 26, we took Cesar Ruiz, the center. From Michigan, at number 39, we took Jonathan Taylor Thomas, the running back from Wisconsin. Number 56 overall, we took Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle from TCU. And we finished off the third round with the number 70th overall pick, going to Ashton Davis, the safety from California. To me, filled every possible need that the Dolphins, again, glaring needs the Dolphins had coming into this draft. You can make a case for some other positions, but overall, Anything closely resembling this, if you get some top players, regardless of how you want to interchange them, maybe you take a safety at 39, you wait for the running back at 56, you know, maybe you maybe even take a safety at 26. However it plays out, if you fill these positions, in my opinion, with some of the top players in this draft, that is a home run draft. And again, we didn't have to give up anything to make it happen. Sure, maybe we trade up, maybe we trade down and get more picks for the future, which is another thing. The Dolphins have a war chest in 2021 that we forget to look talk about, so... Anything can happen, and again, this was a mock draft. Maybe this is nowhere near realistic compared to what will happen on draft day, but it's fun to do, and that is the way we would approach this draft. Any last thoughts, Jake, before we wrap this up? And again, we will be back on Thursday morning. I guess it would be late night Wednesday, giving you our draft preview, and Matthew Kanata will be on telling you everything that he's hearing around the NFL. So before we say goodbye, give me your thoughts, Jake, before we head off. It's getting real, man. It is getting real that this this organization is going to start to look a lot different. And of course, you know, if you look back from now to that 2017 team or that, excuse me, that 2016 team that made the playoffs, I mean, we want stability in the franchise. And I think what opportunity is in front of, front of us is just that, that stability. And but, <laughs> hopefully we don't mess it up. That's all I can say is hopefully we do not mess it up. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing to be a little bit worried about. And again, it feels like it's Christmas Eve every single day. There's going to be plenty of rumors coming out over the next, on what, 72 hours. I guess at this point on Thursday, the Dolphins would have probably made the 18th overall pick or somewhere in there, if I'm not mistaken. But, man, we are so close. Thank 
God, you know, we have this to, to deter us from everything else going in the world because we preach about it, continue to social distance. There is eventually going to be light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's going to be here sooner than later. But if we didn't have this NFL draft to take our minds off things, I, I don't know what we'd be doing. We'd all be losing our minds. So we're losing our minds with the rumors and the reports that come out every day. But at least it's something that is, you know, able to take us away from the real world and all the stuff that's going on out there. So 72 hours, this will drop Tuesday morning. It'll be April 21st. We will then be two days away from the 2020 NFL draft. Again, hopefully this is the way it plays out on Thursday and Friday because this would be a heck of a start. Like Jake said, this team is going to look much, much different. But if they can make anything close to this happen, I think we'll be in a much better place than we were when we started. Buckle up, man. It's wild ride coming in real quick. Yep, post that uh, the Joker gif of, and here we go, because it's coming. It'll be here before you know it. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Finside Radio. This was the Jake and Josh podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at jmendel, M-E-N-D-E-L 94. I am Josh Houts, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, for the Jake and Josh show, part of the SB Nation Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.